Hello and welcome to Success Story, the show that tells the very real and personal stories that merge chronic illness and sex. I'm your host, Heather DeKaiser, therapist, wife, and survivor of triple negative breast cancer. Each week on Success Story, you're going to hear from individuals and couples about how illness has affected their relationships and their sex lives. Not only do we talk about just how challenging these effects can be, but we're also going to talk about what the hell we can do about it. Listen along as stories of sexual challenge and tragedy become stories of success. Hello and happy Sunday to everyone. We are back with success story. We are actually doing a part two to Megan's story. We did part one last week and it was about an hour and a half and I just feel like we didn't get to talk about a lot of things um and we kind of got some comments of like wait that's it like where's the rest of the story so we figured that we would come and do a part two and we are calling this one pain into power it's not that it's worth it it's rewarding and i think that again this is going to resonate with a lot of people in relationships not in relationships um And I know that people have questions and we figured that we would go through and answer some of those questions on our episode today, because I think a lot more than just one person would have each of these questions. I think it's stuff that needs to be talked about. So Megan, we welcome you back to Success Story. Thank you so much for being here. Why did you feel like it would be important to do part two? Well, first of all, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. Um, Welcome. I thought that coming back for a part two would be helpful and important because uh, a lot of the people in my experience who need to hear the things that we're going to discuss today are the people who are least likely to ask questions about them. Or even to ask them in an open forum or online or anywhere, you know. Exactly. So, so the first question that I have, actually, I think it would be good to open with this is you, I'm assuming have probably mostly women, but people who reach out to you Mm -hmm. and look to you for help and support and how did you get out? And this is what's happening to me. What, what is that like for you? Um, it is rewarding. I'm, I'm really glad that the name of the episode. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not glad. I'm not glad about all the things that happened to me, but I am glad. And it is rewarding to be able to support other, you know, people going through similar experiences and kind of make it or, you know, kind of help them feel like they're not alone and that they, um, are, are valid in what, you know, has happened or is happening to them, especially around things like sex, because there is such like a taboo in, in kind of discussing it openly in our culture, at least. So, um, I feel like that's, the part of like abusive relationships that people are often the most reluctant to sort of share Mm -hmm. or be open about. And so I'm, you know, glad that I can sort of turn my own experience into something that can be helpful to supporting other people. Yeah. I love that. I, this is, so I didn't say this in the very first one I was interrupting or interrupting, um, introducing the episode. Um, but we do want to put out a content warning again, just because we are going to be talking about sexual parts of a relationship that can um, be coercive, unwanted. Um, and this includes intimate partner violence. So, um, again, lots of self-care, This may not be the episode for you or have someone that you trust listening to it with you. Take this to your therapist and you can process anything that it brings up, but just really listen to yourself as far as what you are all needing as listeners. Um, Okay, so did that. I know on episode one or the first part, 
you were talking about some of the ways in which you coped with your being in an abusive relationship with Adam mm-hmm. and choices during coping. And so you don't have to name them specifically. What do you think influenced the choices you made? Or were were there moments of fear um, and you made choices out of fear versus something else? Or just what, what was it like to to cope in the ways that you did? I made, um, that's a great question. So I made a lot of choices sort of in fear and to try and get ahead um, of things getting, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I I made a, a lot of choices where I was trying to sort of be proactive and get ahead of some violence um, where I still had kind of some control. So um, kind of specifically, like, I mean, I would say yes, or, or sometimes even kind of initiate sex in order to, like, get ahead of, like, what I was afraid was coming or mm-hmm. or put me in a position where I had some control over what was going to happen. Um, so there were a lot of times where, I mean, um, ooh, sorry, I'm trying to think of how to word this. Um, okay. take your time. There were very few instances, especially a couple of years into our marriage, where I was like an enthusiastic yes to having sex, but would um, try to do things so that I I still felt like I had some kind of control over what was going to happen. Decide what sex you would have or when you would have it? Mostly when. Mostly when. Okay. Very... um, once it started, it was pretty out of my hands, um, and I just sort of had to go go with whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. but controlling, like, the timing was kind of the one thing I could sort of, like, keep under my power, so. Did you ever feel like, oh, this will buy me a few days? It, you know, it's been a couple of days. If I do it tonight, it, it'll it buy me a few more days of not having to? Yes, 100%. Or um, he worked kind of like, he did he he did shift work or whatever. Mm. So sometimes I would think like, all right, it's the middle of the day. Uh, he's home. If we have sex now, I can go to bed tonight and he won't bother me. Mm. Was that a pretty regular occurrence, would you say? Like, as time went on? Yes. Yeah. Very. Were there ever just moments where you were like, I'm going to be trapped forever. Like, this this is going to be my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely thought, um, part of me thought, like, well, this is what a marriage is. Again, you know, like, this is what partners are like this is what is normal um and I was pretty unhappy but I thought it was just it was just what my fate was going to be like the price you paid for wanting a family yeah exactly I know you talked about wanting a family Mm -hmm. um okay so a question that someone asked is if you could talk more about your sexual challenges and your feelings about yourself your body image just your relationship with your body during the abusive relationship of your marriage and now like as far as like being like connected or disconnected with my body or yeah um the question doesn't specifically state that it just says feelings about yourself body image and relationship with your body um hmm that's really good I sort of felt like my body was a commodity okay um what what do you mean by that 
well, like, um, I guess a thing I kind of had to give to him for whatever his needs were. Um, I got, uh, really, really thin at the end of our marriage. Um, like it's kind of scary to look back at some of the pictures, but, um, not because I like specifically felt, you know, like I wasn't doing anything intentionally, but I, um, just felt so much like not, not me, like, like my body wasn't really mine. And like, um, what about like confidence levels? Oh, they were terrible. They were really bad. I mean, again, because I kind of felt like I just existed for other people or for other people's pleasure or, for, or specifically for his pleasure. Um, and he was, he was pretty like critical of my body in the early days of our marriage. And he, I don't, I don't, he flipped the script later on and, um, stopped being so critical, but, um, by that point, I think, again, I just, I felt so little ownership over myself and my body and like who it belonged to, um, that I didn't, I just didn't feel very confident at all. And I didn't trust myself or, and again, that's actually not just about my body, but that was like about my experiences and my, you know, thoughts and my, you know, words, because everything was kind of manipulated all the time. So like you were questioning what your reality was or like, am do I have a right to feel this way? Like I'm having mm -hmm. all these emotions. Are they correct or are they not? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. What yeah. was real and what wasn't? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I guess one of the things that I'll, I'll mention is that like, I think I may have like touched on this in our last episode, but, mm -hmm. um, I would, I would pretty frequently like have orgasms with him, even though I didn't really want to be having sex, which was really confusing because like, if my brain was telling me I don't want to be doing this, but my body is responding this way, like what's real and what's not. And the answer is like, they're both real. Mm -hmm. Right. Because your body can be responding to something. Your brain is saying, we don't want this or we don't find it pleasurable or even mm -hmm. that we find it pleasurable, but we don't want to be doing it or vice versa. Like your body may not be responding, even though your brain is like, yeah, we're, we're into this. Like, Mm -hmm. we want to be doing this right um and then your body just isn't responding the way that you think it should yeah. or want it to necessarily yeah and I do feel like that's a common like a fairly common experience for women where maybe they are like into having sex or you know being with their partner and like their body is just not waking up the way they want it to mm -hmm. I kind of think the opposite happening is something I don't hear as much about. So that made my relationship with my body a little tricky too, because I felt in some ways like I was being betrayed by it. Like, mm -hmm. why are you doing this? Like, I don't think we want to be doing this. Like, and like, if you have an orgasm, does that mean like your head or your mind is wrong and like you secretly did want this, exactly. but weren't honest about yeah. it? Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But it's actually a really common phenomena that like. That's interesting. There's three systems in the body or in the brain about sex. And it's like body responding. Do you want it or not? And did you find it pleasurable or not? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think are the three. 
we talked about this and like Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. Yes. And we you can have two of the three. Or one of the three. Yeah. Yeah. If for any listeners who haven't read Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are, I feel like every person she writes it sort of specifically, um, I guess to people who identify as more female bodied, but um, if you haven't read it, definitely read it because the way that she so well talks about and explains sexuality is like like no one's ever done it better. I just like, you know, follow her around at conferences because she's brilliant. So if you haven't read it, go read it. Um, okay. So something that I will hear in my office a lot is it throughout the relationship, it became less about what my body looked like and more about what I was willing or not willing to do sexually, like more of the behaviors of sex. Was that your experience or no? Yes, very much. Very much. Can you talk about that? for? Um, yeah, I can try to at least. I mean, um, I... Okay, so Adam had sort of a, you know, like litany or like a, not a litany, that makes it sound like more than it was, but um, I think, so I think kind of in any relationship, like oftentimes, like as you're with somebody longer and longer, there are kind of patterns that you fall into or like there's kind of like specific things that people enjoy. And so... He kind of had this, um, I'm trying to think of the, like a framework or that's not the right word, but like. Like propensity or something? Yeah, I guess so. Like it, we kind of, like sex kind of followed a checklist. Like mm. we did this and then we did this and then we did this. And then. Like a routine? Yeah, I guess kind of a routine, but like that makes it sound a little bit like regimented and it wasn't or more harmless than it was and okay um so you know um i think he was open to um doing more things than we did but um kind of as long as i like capitulated and like we got to, he got to do like A, B, and C. Then he didn't, we got to a point where like he didn't push too much for other mm. things. And I didn't feel safe enough to do other things as the years went on. Okay. Um, let me see. Another question is what, what has your healing or what has healing taught you about relationships in general? And how are you different since the abusive relationship with Adam? Since sure. your divorce? Um, um, one of the things that that has happened is that I I see unhealthy relationships um in kind of, I guess, in the wild or whatever. Like I I I feel like I hear a lot or I, you know, um, see things like that are not healthy in other people. And it's just what everybody wants, right? Is like some, per like some person like sitting and like evaluating your relationship while you're like, you know, talking to your coworkers. Like yeah. you want that one coworker who's like, yeah, that sounds unhealthy and kind of abusive. But I do feel like in conversations like with girlfriends and stuff, I I they share stuff and I, I think like, wow, that that's that's abusive or or um they'll talk about kind of like, you know, women talk about sex life. I'm sure everybody does, but um they'll talk kind of about their sex lives and I will think to myself like that's not okay like that's not healthy um I wonder if I should say something mm. so 
Do you? Sometimes. It kind of depends on the person and the context. But um, so that has sort of been um, a, like, that's sort of been um, some of the uh, fallout or some of the, you know, some of what's happened since since I left. Um, and then um, was the second part. How are you different since? What has healing taught you? Um, I think that I'm more open or more willing to kind of have tough conversations with people or my partners or partner um and i feel like i'm getting better at setting boundaries what kinds of boundaries um in in kind of being really like clear about like this is what i need this is what I want from you so that I feel safe and so that I feel healthy and so that I feel um, like I have a, a voice. Um, Does your current partner know about your marriage and things that went on and, and the abuse and the sexual manipulation that was part of it? He knows some of it. Um, he knows he he knows a lot more about the emotional abuse than about kind of again like the sexual abuse because that's again it's still it's a more taboo topic um and it seems to make a lot of people really uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable talking to him about it. i'm a little uncomfortable like i i was again i i really wanted to do part 2 but i can tell that like i am more uncomfortable talking about mm. sex um which is fine but um and i'm worried about how he might view me if he knew more of the details than he does know what are you af afraid that he would think or what what worries you about that are um, you worried it would change how he thought of you as his partner yeah yeah okay or, um, that he might, I don't know why he would judge me, but like, that's one of the things that I think about, like, maybe he would judge me, like, maybe, maybe he would see me like, as tainted almost. Oh. Like... That's so interesting because that word tainted, I think that's going to mean a lot of different things for different people mm -hmm. because something that this reminded me of something that a client recently talked to me about um, is like, I'm not necessarily worried about being judged, but I'm worried he'll change how he has sex with me or I'm worried he'll change how fragile he thinks I am or I'm not mm -hmm. or I'm, I think about if he looks at like, well, you asked me to do this sexually. Is that because you were abused or because you're healing from abuse? And like the framework around their relationship in her mind, that story mm -hmm. was my abusive relationship will still dictate my current one. Yeah. That feels that very resonates. on the nose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about like how that resonates or lands um, with sure. you? Sure. Like that. That either. Hmm. Is me, it hard to put think. into words it is for little, just you? Yeah, it is a little hard to put into words, but. Um, Hmm. I'm worried that he kind of won't understand the full context either. You know, um, that 
that he'll think that I'm, like I said, like painted or like, or like there's something or wrong with not, you. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe like broken or damaged. Yeah. Yeah. I kind hear, of a damaged good. Yes. Type. I hear yeah, that a lot. Yeah. Or, um, that, um, I'm also kind of worried that he would just be a little dismissive and that I would share this thing that is so vulnerable and that, um, it, you know, maybe, maybe he would say like, why are you overreacting? Or that doesn't seem that bad or, and not that he would, but again, it's just like the fears that go through your yeah. head, like the thoughts that just go through your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or that like, well, I'm not him. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, I do want to be really good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to be seen that way and I'm not that way. So do you feel like you're still with him or are you with me? Right. Yeah. Or, you know, why is he still dictating? Mm -hmm. Why is he taking up this much space in our relationship? Like, that's another thing I don't want him to think is like, why yeah. is Adam taking up this space? Which he's not, but, you know. But this is part of what happened to you. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, sex, our sexuality is based on context, right? So what we think and believe about sex is largely dependent on our experiences mm -hmm. of sex. And I think a majority of your sexual experiences have been in the context of your relationship with Adam, your mm -hmm. marriage. And I know your current partner wouldn't say a lot of those things. Yeah. And I think that it's completely common. I don't like the word normal, but completely common and just human to have those different fears and thoughts go through your head about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, knowing you the last how many years, if you didn't have those thoughts and fears, I would be like, Megan, what aren't you saying? <laughs> like, maybe we should have a different conversation. Right. So I, I think on one hand, I've met people who have those thoughts and ignore them uh -huh. or dismiss, dismiss themselves mm -hmm. as not normal or broken or damaged or don't function the way they should. And then I have the people who are like, I wish we talked about this more, but we don't. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's like on both sides, the conversation gets cut off too short. Yeah. Too quick. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I think also part of it is like, I, I imagine my partner now um, might not be super keen to hear about, um, you know, about me having sex with someone else. Like, mm. I get that. That's a, it's, it's obviously something at this point in most of our lives, like, sure, everyone's had more than a partner or two, but we also don't necessarily like want to go out of our way to imagine our partners with their previous partners. So I certainly wouldn't want, I, unless he felt like he was compelled to share them with me, I'm not super interested in him sharing a lot about his past sexual relationships and yeah. I don't know that you know he wants to hear about mine even though it's it's obviously different and it's like discussing you know it's different than sort of just casually chatting about yeah. like you know, your college boyfriend and how, Hey, what do you whatever. want for dinner? By the way, this happened to me. Yeah. You know, like now we have to talk about, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a completely different conversation to have. Um, okay. So here's another question from somebody, Megan, like, how did you know you were ready to date again after your divorce? Um, hmm. I... Didn't date for a little while um, because I had kids and then we had the start of COVID. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I then I was like homeschooling them and working and um but after a couple of months um I part of this truly is like I didn't have a ton of dating experience before I got married yeah I didn't want to be single forever and I wasn't sure how I like necessarily felt about dating but I thought the only way I'm going to learn how to do this is by doing it and so are you glad you did it when you did yeah I am I am glad um and I got I feel like I I really kind of like lucked out when I met my partner and um there was a kind of a lot of benefit um because people were doing things like I would never have thought before like COVID for example like to do a FaceTime date or or virtual yeah and so like our first date was like a virtual date um which was kind of awesome like because I got to make sure like he's a real person and we'd had like you know we'd been texting because we met on an app and so uh you know sometimes you can have really good like text chemistry with someone that doesn't translate into like in-person chemistry yeah but we had good like in-person or you know virtual chemistry and then we had good in-person chemistry and the fact that we couldn't um because everything was like still in lockdown um the fact that we kind of like were doing things like we play like board games together or like we'd like listen to music or like watch rick and morty but we would talk too and so kind of the fact that like we didn't have like You know, sometimes, like, you go out with someone, I guess, and it's like, oh, we went to a bar and we played pinball and it was super fun. But then you take away, like, the games and the distraction and you're like, I I don't actually like this person this much, that much. So the fact that we kind of, like, were in situations where it was, like, we just the two of us, there was nothing open, like, and we had to see if we actually liked each other without anything kind of around to distract us was kind of awesome I guess yeah all things considered I mean sounds like you figured out how to get to know each other differently mm -hmm. than maybe you would have even pre-COVID times yeah and I mean I really wasn't doing a lot of dating pre-COVID because my divorce had just kind of been final and whatnot but sure um I I'm I like I like that that was kind of the situation I was in when I met him. Yeah. So. Okay, so another question is, what was it like having sex for the first time post-divorce? It was weird. Okay, you have to say more about that. (laughs) I mean, I'd been married for so long, and so... Even though I, you know, wasn't married anymore or whatever, um, it wasn't weird in the sense like that it was bad, but I, I felt like I was breaking a rule mm. or um, like it was it was interesting to like be with a different partner in a different body and different like style and like learning how to I don't know I guess I guess I it it almost felt like the very first time I had sex at all almost like okay almost was like I don't know what I'm doing anymore it was like a little awkward yeah yeah because as much as I didn't enjoy having sex with Adam and I didn't want to like I I was accustomed to his body and like our dynamic and our sort of like sex routine or whatever like you knew what was expected yeah yeah and even though I didn't really like like it again like I I knew like the places to touch or where to kiss or and then be with somebody else it's like whoa whoa this is a whole different person and I have to figure out 
what somebody else enjoys. Mm. And they have to figure out what I enjoy. Did you even, like, know what you enjoyed in the context of... No, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. I mean, I was like, like, I'm going to wing this, I guess, was sort of... Because I did... Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 please. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I don't even think that that was on my radar. It was like a blind spot for me, you know, mm. until, like, it started. And then then it was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, actually. Like, so. That, okay, brings up a question I have. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you redefine yes Because I'm assuming yes, since divorce, does not mean the same thing as your yes, yes, I'm saying Mm -hmm. quotation marks, you can't all see me, but I'm putting in quotation marks, your yes during your marriage. I'm assuming that's a completely different thing. How Mm -hmm. did you redefine it? I don't know. I don't think that I consciously did. Um, Again, I think part of what has happened is I've been really lucky because even though my partner doesn't know sort of the breadth of what happened during my marriage, Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I have, it has always been an enthusiastic yes when I've had sex with him, um, every single time. And what's it like being able to say that it's, awesome and feels great and it makes me sad that for so many people that that's not the case where they say a reluctant yes or they say a okay sure or you know um they feel like they can't say anything but yes it's like obligated or complacent Mm -hmm. sex versus enthusiastic or my yes was mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't really, I kind of don't, I've, I've never really been in a position with him where I've even wanted to say no, or I have said, I, I haven't, I don't think I've really said no. And I, but I haven't really like wanted to I I mean I like having sex and so he's so uh careful kind of and like respectful of boundaries and he's not um he's not he's so not pushy that that makes it really easy um no that doesn't make it easy but like more I'm not in like yeah I'm comfortable and I'm really not in situations where I feel like, honestly, if anything, I'm probably the one now who's like, let's go have sex in the bathroom, like, (laughs) or like, uh, let's like have roadhead or something like that, like, whereas like, so I'm kind of the one who's like bringing up like, hey, you you know, like. So you're initiating out of general, like, genuine desire, arousal, uh-huh. like, want. Yeah. Rather than how many days does this buy me? Mm-hmm. Totally. And then because I feel like I do have, like, so much control over my body now and my sex life, like, when he does initiate, and he does quite a bit, but, like, it it, it makes me feel safe. Like, I feel safe. Like, because I also trust that if I said to him, I don't want to do this, because there have been a couple of things that have come up in like the last six months or so um, that I have kind of gotten to a point where I've said, this is a thing that needs to be off the table. And it's been off the table. It's been off the table. I haven't had to like, you know, like make a flow chart or like write out bullet points or, you know, like put together a PowerPoint presentation about why I don't want to do it. It's just been like, uh, I don't feel safe. This is not healthy for me. We have to stop. And that's been that. And, and so he's like, cool. He's like, Good. all right, I gotcha. I hear you. Or he won't even always say that, but then his actions 
reflect that he has heard and understood me and is going to respect my my no mm-hmm. and my bad like my boundaries so we have quite a few questions under the sex and safety column i think uh-huh. um before i ask you specifically about that with what you just said i heather i have another question mm-hmm. Do you find that there are sexual things, experiences, behaviors, feelings that you want to do now that you didn't before or that you did do before, but now you actually feel safe and like mutual about with your partner that you're more safely able to do now? Or like, do you find that you want different things? Like what what about that? Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm definitely open to different experiences like different um kinds of exploration with him um that I wasn't super comfortable with but it's again I it goes back to a safety thing because I didn't feel safe in my marriage I couldn't really say no. And so there was no way in hell that I was going to put different, you know, exploration on the table because I didn't feel safe with kind of the things that we were doing. Yeah. And so now there are things that are um, interesting or, you know, seem like a seem hot or fun or like a thing I'd like to try where I do feel safe to sort of like say, do you want to maybe see how we feel about this or uh, see how we feel about that? Because um, I know if it doesn't feel good for him or for me, um, I can say, nope, I no, I can't. And that will be that. Like it won't be a negotiation or manipulation or coercion it will just be like uh okay i hear you we won't do that so if that makes sense yeah absolutely someone wrote in and said i had an experience where my relationship was abusive i was still able to find sex hot at times Mm -hmm. and i'm not quite sure if that was me talking myself into it or if my body actually and mind thought, like, I actually like the sexual thing. Like, those, it sounds like mm-hmm. those things got crossed. Yeah, like the wires person. got crossed or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you speak to that? Like, are there, I guess, are there parts of sex that, like, you did enjoy despite it being manipulated or coerced? Are there, or, like, did you feel like you were just talking yourself into it to talk yourself into it? Or was that real? You kind of talked about this. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely was like talking myself into a lot of the sex I had with my ex-husband, but then, um, my responses to it were, were real. And, and it was very like kind of confusing and made me feel unsure of what I thought was true. Like, I, I don't think I want to do this, but maybe I do. Um, And is it because you like that sexual thing or because you like that this might buy you four days instead of two? Um, Like, was that ever a thing? I think. I mean, that's getting, it's getting pretty deep. It's interesting, like. There were, I mean, definitely things that I enjoyed. I mean, I never got, like, more time bought. But um, there was a component where sex would end sooner, too, if I just, if my body just did the thing. If I just Mm. had an orgasm. Like, and so I think part of my brain, like, I, I don't know, or my body trained my brain, whatever, whatever came first, chicken or the egg. But, like. I knew how to kind of like have an orgasm because that would help sex end sooner. And so 
I don't know if that really answers the question, but it was, it was a mind fuck, really. Like it was a mind fuck because if it had, if I had had my like druthers, I would have, I would not have been saying yes in the first place, mm. but I didn't have that power. And so autonomy. Yeah. Almost like this, uh, like weirdly, I guess, I almost think it was like, this is a thing I could control. Like I can learn how to like have an orgasm and then I can do that. And then I can be done like, or he'll be able to Did you ever to feel done. like you dissociated during sex? Yeah. Like, yeah, big time for sure. I'm elsewhere uh-huh. to get through this yeah. experience. And would your uh-huh. body still respond when you were elsewhere? My body would still respond and um, my brain would try to get me kind of as far away as I could. So sometimes I would drink because it was an easy, quote unquote easy, but like way for me to... Easier. Yeah, to feel like I kind of was away from my body. Um, Have you had to relearn how to have like mind body as one during sex? Yeah, I mean, I, that part I think I'm still learning. And I think that, okay. again, will be one of the things that is probably a longer healing process than some of the other, you know, stuff. Like, how come? Um, so, partly because I think things like physical abuse is, I, I think we talked about this last, like last episode, but like people are very clear about like what physical abuse seems to like look like mm-hmm. um i think people are becoming more clear and educated on like what emotional abuse looks like i think we still have a ways to go though on sexual abuse and sexually mm-hmm. abusive relationships and um there's just sort of like less like discourse with those with with that kind of prong i guess mm-hmm. um and so it's it's i think harder to find like support and resources mm-hmm. um but i also will say like that part of our relationship was so so damaging for me that the sexual part mm-hmm, and um that it's just it's going to be a thing that takes me longer to process and longer to um, feel safe with, I guess. Well, and sex and sexuality is like fluid, right? Mm-hmm. So things that we enjoyed in our 20s are not necessarily the same things we enjoy in our 30s. For some people, yes. Right. For some people, no. It depends on our bodies and, you know, what we've gone through and illness and medication and um relationships and trauma yeah I mean there's like you know lots of factors that go into that um okay so here's another like this question goes along with sex and safety as well Mm -hmm. how often do we have sex to feel safe but don't feel safe I mean for me it was almost (laughs) almost every time I had sex personally it's almost like safety meant something different to you back then yeah than it does yeah like safety back then didn't include autonomy whereas now it does like I knew that there wasn't going to be any choice or control in whether or not I had sex Mm. kind of all I could control is do I agree or you know do I do I like initiate it so that I have like so that I have control and I can kind of like feel safe in this unsafe encounter that I'm about to have. I don't know if that makes sense, but can you say a little bit more about feel safe in an unsafe encounter if I just heard you correctly? Yeah. So like I never really felt safe having sex with Adam. Um, Like respected or like your no would count. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was no space for me to say no. And so for the most part um so the longer kind like i didn't have like a checklist i didn't have like a 
a you know tally I had to hit every week but I knew enough about like with the dynamics of our marriage like I had if we didn't have sex like like every two days or three days like things began to feel more and more unsafe and so sort of like um I knew that like we could have sex and it was like a pressure release valve. I didn't want to let the pressure like build up too much because then maybe things would be out of my, con like my control. So, um, I would, I would have sex so that I could control that that valve getting released, so to speak. And like, truly like, it reminds yeah, me of like an instant pot. Yeah. Like there's like all kinds of like image, like gross, like imagery that people could probably come up with with that, but it's, that's really not where my mind is at, but it was, um, and then I knew like he wouldn't be like pawing at me in the kitchen or cornering me in a bathroom, which was like a thing he loved to do was like, you know, barging on me in the bathroom or in the shower and basically demand that we have sex. And so if I, if I just said yes, while things were, before things had gotten to that point, I could then feel safer, even though it was an unsafe situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe if you haven't experienced it, that won't, that, that will be a really like weird thing to kind of like try to unpack but I do think if people have been through that they will probably have a, a better kind of comprehension of yeah. what I'm talking about I don't yeah. know yeah is this some like You have a couple of kids. Mm -hmm. How have you talked to them about the divorce, about the reasons for the divorce? And how has this influenced how you talk to your kids about relationships? Um, so that's a really important question. Um, Definitely, I have not um, discussed the sexual abuse or okay. coercion um, with okay. their dad um, with them. Um, okay. I have talked about stuff like um, privacy and boundaries. And it's um, because they'll say to me, like, dad will just come into the bathroom without knocking or when he was dating um he he had been dating somebody for a while and my kids remarked to me like one day like dad always just goes in the bat uh the bedroom when um when like i don't want to say his so... name yeah. or, or say her name uh when his girlfriend is changing and he never knocks on the door and he just like barges in. Like they've noticed that, like they've brought it to me and said stuff. Um, because they're getting a little older and like, you know, like I don't like it because dad will just come into our bedroom and I'm changing and it makes me uncomfortable that he doesn't knock on the door. And so um, what I say in like responses, I understand what you're talking about. He did that to me. I I know it can be feel pretty disrespectful and it it's really not okay for people to do that. Um it's okay for you to continue to tell him please knock on the door and don't just come in while I'm in here. Mm -hmm. Um so I mean I I do have those discussions with them. Um they will you know, one of the things that they make you do in Colorado, at least when you get divorced is you have to take a parenting class if you have kids together. And so in this parenting class, you learn like never badmouth your co-parent. And I never, I don't just, 
FYI. But when my kids come to me and they say like, I noticed that he does this, or he said that and that makes me feel bad, or he told his girlfriend XYZ and that seemed mean. I validate their experience. I know that their experience is true. Like I, I know what their, I, I, like I can almost see a, some of it like in my head when they like tell me the stories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it would, I wouldn't be doing kind of like my due diligence as a parent if I gaslit them and said, mm. oh no, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. Or he didn't say that, or that didn't happen. Like, because I, I, I know it did happen and I often had, <laughs> he often did similar kinds of things to me or I saw the behavior during our marriage. And so um, I try to make sure that they have space to share what they feel and to um, give them um, like stability and just like safety and well and not be dismissive of their experience yeah. sounds like a lot of it like mm -hmm. you're not gonna try and talk them into feeling safe when they're telling you this stuck out to me and yeah. mom I don't know I don't know what this is like mm -hmm. can you help me and I try to give them the language or the script that, that will help them um or talk to them about how how they can handle kind of these tough situations that they're unfortunately in sometimes. Have you ever questioned your kid's safety with him? Like yeah. him as a yeah. dad? Yeah. Like how how do you navigate that? It's been tough. Um I think I may have shared in the last episode. I can't remember. I have um I don't have 50/50 custody. Um I have closer to 75%. So it helps that they're with me most of the time. Um but there's still that 25% yeah. that they're not. Yeah, and I mean I have considered things like going back to court um to get 100% custody. But then I, from what I understand, and I, I could, I could, I could be a little off or I could maybe not have all the information necessary. Um, that would probably open a really messy can of worms and I might end up with 50-50 custody or, you know, we may have to have like a family investigation. I feel less concerned. Like there were a few periods early, early when our like in our separation where I was more acutely concerned, but, um, unfor like he, they spend a lot of time with their grandparents, with his parents. Um, and I truly, um, I, I know how much my ex-mother-in-law loves them. And I, that's very, been very reassuring to be honest. Um, I, um, do feel like she's um, watching out for them. Um, Something that I've heard too is like, well, I haven't ever really noticed like manipulation or coercion or physical violence with my kids, more of just like a temper issue. Whereas mm -hmm. like with me is where like the, the abuse like – yeah seem like between the two of us uh -huh. so it's like yeah he may have a temper he may yell at the kids he may throw things once in a while he's not like violent towards yeah. their person yeah does that make yeah, sense totally like, he's never is that more yeah. what you're saying okay yeah he's not he's not um ever been like physically violent to them i i i very fully trust that they would they would tell me if yeah. that had happened um and unfortunately, it's tough. I mean, it's so t It's like a, by far like the trickiest part of this and the hardest part. Um, 
I kind of feel like what I can do in this like situation now is I can assure them they're safe with me. I can help give them the tools and the language that they need to process the kind of dad that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they come home and they're with me, they're in a house that is not violent and not manipulative and not scary. Filled with temper and expectations yeah. of or, them. Or and, walking on eggshells. Uh, or... Yeah. I call it walking on glass because mm. eggshells don't necessarily cut you. Mm-hmm. Glass does. And you never know like where the cuts yeah. are going to be or like how deep or how big or how long it's going to take to heal. Or Yeah, that's a great... I like that a lot. I've never... I really like that. That's a great... They don't have to walk gingerly when they're at, yeah. my, at my house and when they're with me. And What about with your current partner? How are your kids and your current partner? Oh, they they really like him a lot. I made he didn't we dated for six months before I really brought them. him around. Yeah. yeah. Um he doesn't have kids and so going into dating me was sort of like when we kind of finally got to a point where um I was comfortable introducing him, mm-hmm. it was sort of like I don't know how, like, how do I be around kids? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I said, just treat them like your tiny friends who have no money and can't drive. (laughs) And um, just be interested in what they have to say. Like I said, you won't be in a position where you have to discipline them or um, give them direction. Like, I'll be right there and I'll take that on. And so he's, he's done that. So... Um, he's a really, he's a really good listener. And so they really do like to talk to him a lot (laughs) and we'll talk and talk and talk and talk sometimes at him. And I feel like I should make them stop sometimes, (laughs) but they're, they're, they like, they, they really like him. I'm super, super lucky. And, um, we don't, we don't live together. Um, he's not around them all the time. And so, um, it's, you know, a different dynamic, I guess. And maybe it would be if we were living together or we were like, or if he had kids or, you know, we had some more like traditional kind of quote unquote blended family, like traditional blended family feels like a little of an oxymoron, but, um, I mean, and at this point, so when I gave him that advice, that was pretty early on. That was like six, seven, eight months in when he was just starting to kind of spend time with him regularly. Now I think he feels a little bit more comfortable kind of like not disciplining them. But if first, like if I were in the bathroom and one of them were being, you know, antagonistic to a sibling or doing something kind of annoying or unsafe where he'd be like, Hey, like, let's knock that off. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but not, um, but not, um, like not really consequence or discipline. And, and, and I think like I've, I know that that's happened a few times where it's been like one of them is doing something. I said, please stop. And then, like, you know, I'll either go upstairs to get one or the other. Like, whatever kind of it is. And he'll kind of, like, say, like, kind of to back me up, but not, like. Take over. Not take over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. I don't, I don't. The, the part kind of is, the part I have a hard time with is, like, the setup we have now is not terrible but it's like if we were ever to kind of like bridge things and decide like hey let's move in together or let's get married like what would that look like and that part I'm not sure about Mm -hmm. but as it stands right now my kids really like him and I think we hope I, I really hope I think we do uh model pretty healthy relationship 
for them. Yeah. I hope. Well, that's the end of my list of questions. Like, we got through everything that everyone asked and kind of put out there and had thoughts and comments about. I mean, Megan, thank you so much for being willing to come back and do a part two. Like, Thank you for having me back and for all the questions. And I know I probably sounded a little bit more, like, awkward this time, so... I apologize. But I don't know bearing. that that's the case. <laughs> thanks for bearing with me. Um, this this stuff was a little bit more challenging for me to say out loud. I so, bet. Thank you so much for being willing to do it. And of course. like you said in the beginning, the people who it really resonates with and who may have the most questions are not necessarily the ones asking them. Yeah. They may internalize it a little bit more than externalize it and express it. And I think you're able to talk to a lot of people because I think not only did I have some of those questions, but a lot of other people had those questions too. Mm-hmm. And, and really, if anybody needs to reach out or would like to talk to me, um, you're more than welcome to um, talk, like reach out to Heather and she'll she'll get us connected. Um, I'm glad to be a resource uh, if someone needs it. I'm not a therapist, um, but I can't give you therapy advice, but I can, you know, give support. Listen, talk, yeah. encourage, mm-hmm, exactly. all those things. Mm-hmm. And Megan's great at it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that will conclude part two then. Thank you again, Megan. It was Thank so great you. to have you. And until episode eight, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Success Story. We all know someone or are that someone who has been affected sexually because of illness and treatment. In the coming episodes, you will learn that there are ways to overcome and deal with these effects and still experience a life full of sexiness. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep creating your own success story.